evening. It is your co-host, Kenny B, with your boy, Cassius, who is back in action. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Last week was a stress, man. You should have seen me in this studio by myself without you, man. I was calling you probably how many times? Uh, you called me about three or four times. <sighs> it was a full switch, man. Full and... switch, man. Man got on the audio switcher he got his he got his technical game down now now he can run this on his own <laughs> i'm ready man i feel like i lost my trading wheels uh last week and i'm ready to you know just 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 spread my wings and fly man you got out of the nest and you spread your wings my friend it felt good man and you know what for all our audience members and listeners listening you know this is a full switch and it's not full switch without my boy Cassius and now that he's back we're excited you know as you're aware every single Friday 6 to 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Timing on 1440 a.m. with the Universal Radio Network we bring inspiring leaders of today to um, pretty much give our audience members a chance to lead their best life in your respective profession, in your personal life, and everything in between. And today, Cassius, we have a special friend of ours, Anu, who's coming in and to talk about thematically about recovery, to bring attention to a time like this where we flip a new chapter soon into 2023, we get very reflective, don't we? We start thinking about, you know, how we're feeling physically, how we're feeling mentally. And I feel like it's, you know, a great chance for us to bring someone like Anu, who has worked as a profession, as a massage therapist, who um, also, this is a fun fact about him, man. He was one of the very first people in Canada to have a reconstructive knee surgery done in a way that um, hasn't been done before. So I find when you circle that back to recovery and you bring it to the attention of our uh, listeners is, our intention today is for you to really understand how you can better recover in certain situations, whether that's um, in the workplace, something that happened out of your control, or overall just doing a little bit of a mental health check and a physical check, a body scan, if you will, and seeing if, uh, you know, there's certain recovery modalities you need to be doing, you know, and we're going to get into that with Anu, but I mean, man, like there's so many different ways to recover out there for you, Cassius, like. When you start to realize you're slowing down, what's like the best recovery tool you have in your pocket that you always lean towards? Well, uh, one recovery method or tool that I use uh, is basketball. Basketball is a very therapeutic uh, exercise for me. Uh, it's a sport that I love, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're the same way with jujitsu. You know, um, for me, you know, shooting a basketball, I could, I could, I could play basketball all day, six hours a day, if I, if, if, if time allowed. But, um, you know, just getting on the court allows me to get my mind off the the daily, you know, grind, um, and and it allows me to go into a different place, um, and turn off my brain a little bit and just just play the game. Um, so that's that's one method. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of other other you know exercises and things that people do, but for me, that's where I try to lean and it, and it gives me a healthy break within my regular, you know, business routine. So well, that's respect, man. It's like you are not only doing something that is physically improving your health, but it also, let's face it, it's an hour or two or three away 
from the chaos. <laughs> right. You know, it's, 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 it's allowing you to just have a little fun, have a little play. And that's cool to know that like, that's how you recover. Like that, that's pretty unique. Like that, that's your recovery process, right? For me, it's honestly, that's why I'm so excited to bring on Anu. Cause for me, it's massage. I feel like I need to, you know, every four to six weeks, my body feels like so debilitated, like from all the jujitsu, all the training, everything tightening up where to have a massage session, just to like relax, just to not do anything. And, um, you know, the benefits that come with it go a long way, right? Uh, but I'm excited to go more into that when we have Anu come on. For now, I want us, as you know, I'm your favorite weatherman, to go over the weather. And, yo, I'm sure everyone's been feeling this in Edmonton, Alberta. We are the type of city where it just goes full switch without even you realizing it. That's right. You know, like, there's no gradual, like, you know, minus two. Okay, no problem. Minus three. Okay, next day, minus four. Okay, slowly, slowly, we'll go minus five. We went from, like, minus two straight to minus 18. You know, like, right now, we're sitting at... Minus 19 degrees outside. So if you're driving right now, please, as much as you're getting entertained, drive a little slower. You know, drive a little bit more Ramnal, right? Right now, this, this, this type of season, everyone's hustling and bustling and trying to get somewhere in a rush to go to your planned dinner. But just slow it down. It's cold. Bundle up. We've gone from, you know, minus two last weekend to now we're forecasting as, you know, low as minus 22 on Sunday. So... That being said, I want us to talk about leader of the week. Yes, I'm excited. And man, this one's special, dude. This one pulled at the heartstrings. This uh, was actually this morning. Hop into my office and, you know, at Good Life Fitness, it's ran by a gentleman, you know, the CEO. His name's David Patchell Evans. And I didn't even realize this. But his mother, you know, she lived up to 103 years old. And his mother was a huge part of good life. You know, she essentially uh, was like the financial controller. And um, funny enough, she just didn't stand for any BS. She was somebody who always just spoke her mind. And they called her um, the, um, I can't even say it on the radio, but they called her the blank disturber. So you could put two and two together. She was just somebody that, um, always wanted to make sure that everything and everyone was taken care of and no one got left behind. That was her mantra to some degree. And it's just so beautiful to see, you know, for someone like me who has a close relationship with my mother and I love picking my mom's brain about business and especially nowadays where I'm starting to really um, get ideas and, and, and become more of a, um, someone who wants to eventually run my own business. It's just so cool to see the support that Patch, the CEO of Good Life, has gotten from his mother. You know, the same way I aspire to get that support from my mom. And I, I'm sure many other people, when they have their parents, all you want is their support. And to look back on her life, you know, unfortunately, she just recently passed away. You know, so rest in peace to Dorothy Walsh, lived up to 103 years old. Wow. And something that really stands out with her is she grew up around the Great Depression, you know, and when she raised her three boys, uh, Patch being one of them, um, she did that primarily on her own. And the scary thing was her husband uh, and her family were driving one day, and at that time there were no seatbelts, and he ended up hitting a curve. Her kids 
and herself had to see their father fly out of his vehicle. And right then and there, he died. He didn't survive that. So she raised three boys all on her own ever since then. And she did whatever she could to still make sure her boys can play sports, be involved. And something that I just loved hearing, the seva in her, the selfless service. She knew as poor as she was growing up, trying to raise three kids. She did whatever she could to make sure other people who were more poor than she was could have a meal and could sit down. And the door, door open mentality, come on in, have fun, let's have dinners, let's enjoy. And it's just... I say that because it speaks volumes in the character she had where all the way up until her 60s, where normally people are ready to retire, she was willing to help her son out with his business. And she was so excited and so enthused about making sure that you know her son's dream of wanting to open up several clubs for anybody. You know, when you look on Walk Into A Good Life, you have people from those who are in their 60s and 70s working out to people as young as teenagers and everything in between. And for Patch, as a leader, he used to go to people and he used to say, like, hey, I have this vision of opening up a gym that's for everyone. And everyone would be like, no, that's not the case. And his own mother, Dorothy, was like, you know, of course, like any loving mother would, was say, I think this is a brilliant idea and I support it. And I'm willing to do anything it takes to help you out. Wow. And um, just, you know, shout out to her, man. Just the life she's lived to work from 65 all the way up until 100. She had involvement. This wow. woman is a badass. That is a badass woman right there. Right? Yes. Like, wow. Unbelievable. That's incredible. It just shows, man. It just shows the 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 blessings that, um, you know, mom has and, and the support, especially with uh, with their son's dream. That, that goes a long way, man. So. It's really unique, man. You know, so shout out to Dorothy Walsh um, and, and every mother out there that continues to do whatever it takes to to ensure that the ones they love have all of the support and tools and love necessary to turn their dream into reality, you know? So we're going to come right back. You know, we're back in here on the full switch because we got so much we want to talk about. That's right. You know? So Omid and I, we did our homework. You know, Cassius and I, we sat back. We read a few articles. You know, we took out uh, some Harvard Business Review topics on emotional intelligence. And, you know, when we're talking about recovery, the most important thing is just bringing it back to our topic today on checking in on how you're doing emotionally. You know, and uh, there's a lot of benefits to really understanding your emotional intelligence level. No leader is perfect at it. We are constantly working on how we can better show up for others and, and, and how we can continue to be emotionally available and where that fine line is. And, uh, you know, based off the research we've done, we recognize that there's essentially four domains of emotional intelligence. There's self-awareness, there's self-management, there's social awareness, and then there's how you manage your relationships, right? And, you know, my wheels were turning when I thought about this because a lot of it brings me back to not only what we say and how we say it, but it also is based off of what others say and how they say it and then how we perceive that 
whatever topic is being mentioned or whatever is being said. And uh, I just want to start off by saying this because this connected so much to what my therapist and I were talking about. And it was regarding how someone who is giving advice, right, when they decide to give you advice and let's say you don't take it, should they be upset about it or should they not be upset about it? You know, someone with a high level of emotional intelligence, they won't get, they won't get hurt, right? But when someone all of a sudden realizes that you didn't take their advice and they're upset about it, they're not giving you advice. They're giving you an order. Mm. And that really resonated in so many ways because I noticed for myself, I am the type of person where I'm always trying to sell the concept of something to somebody. Like I always like, I want to make it seem like it's the best thing. So if they don't accept it or if they don't like it, it upsets me, but that's not good. That is, that, that is me clearly needing to work on um, my, my emotional intelligence and just being a little bit more aware that, you know, not, not, not everyone needs to take my advice and that's okay. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally feel that. And, and I think, you know, obviously emotional intelligence is more than just empathy, right? There's a wide range of emotions, um, you know, which, which can be used to value your intuition, right? And one of the examples that I read in, in some of the studies here was uh, there was a study done um, on uh, an investment uh, bank in London uh, with investment traders. So the most successful uh, investment traders who are making basically $500,000 or more um, were ones who neither relied on analytics nor the ones who relied on just gut feeling. It was like a healthy mix of both versus the ones who made under 100K or less, they ignored their anxieties and completely went with their gut feeling. So it was a very in, an interesting study, right? Because it, it, it takes a more than just one side or the other. You know, it's not just about, oh, it's my gut feeling that this situation is, um, is, is right or wrong or whatever the case may be. It's a holistic sort of pie, if you will, and, and, and using both your gut feeling and your anxieties and analytics and the studies that you've done uh, in order to make proper decisions in your life um, is, is truly important. And, you know, another thing, too, is like, you know, I know, I know, you know, there was an example in the study as well where there was a leader who um, she had a hard time giving uh, critical feedback to her employees or the people that she worked with or hard feedback or constructive feedback, right? She's very likable in the, in the workforce. She's very sensible. She's got a high level of quote unquote emotional intelligence and she gets tasks done, but she lacks the ability to call someone out when something is wrong. And so that's not saying that she doesn't have emotional intelligence. That's just one factor of where she is weakened. And so having the emotional intelligence to understand where you're weak at and seeing how, okay, how do I give constructive feedback to the people that I work with and when to turn on the, or when to turn on a little bit of unempathy, you know, being empathetic, not, not, not just like all the time 
You can't just be kumbaya, everything's all good, you know, no conflict. That's not really how the real world works, right? And so understanding that and learning how to um, give constructive feedback is very important. Oh, it is, man, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows as a leader, right? You have, for instance, like you said, certain anxieties about how you're going to feel about giving information that someone's not going to want to hear. And then your gut's telling you, how do I deliver it, right? So I'm going to give you an example. And I want to know what you, Cassius, think and our listeners think is the most appropriate way of handling the situation. And then I'll tell you how I did. Very recent, very relative to what we're talking about. Because that EI, that emotional intelligence was kicking in, right? How do I control my personal emotions? How um, do I, you know, allow myself to feel um like whoever is about to take this information in are they capable of adapting and looking into how they can have a positive outlook on this experience and what i'm about to share with you has a lot to do with a trainer's client no longer wanting to work with them so i'm giving you examples of of self-management and it's going to be really unique to see how this trainer deals with it. Okay. So I'll tell you what happened. One of our clients, you know, they step into my office and they say, can we talk? And so what I say to them is, yeah, sure. Hey, you know, come on in. What's going on? And he goes, listen, while let's just call him Jimbo. Okay. We'll, we'll protect the privacy here. While Jimbo was away, I, uh, I personally uh, just had a really good experience with, let's call him Karen. Had a great experience with Karen. I know Karen's a more experienced trainer, but if I'm being honest with you, I'm willing to pay more to work with a more experienced trainer. I really saw the difference. So now I'm getting this. (laughs) Pretty much getting someone who's pretty much telling me, I want to break up with the trainer I'm working with and go with another one. So now you could kind of almost, in my head, my anxiety It's kicking in. Oh, the ripple effect this might cause. Oh, this poor trainer, like, you know, they're gonna they're gonna feel some type of way about this. And now they're gonna see another trainer almost feeling like they're taking their client. Right? So all the wheels are turning, but also the other side of me, so so that's my empathetic side. But the other side of me that has like kind of like that, you know, level of you could say wanting to be upset, wanting to get upset, you know, that impulse control that I need to really be aware of that I know I need to work on is, oh, where did he go wrong to not provide you as a client enough knowledge? Because I obviously wanted to dissect the issue a little bit, right, Cassius? I was like, okay, tell me where he went wrong. So you feel the difference, but what is the current trainer not doing? And the client said to me, it's just more knowledge at the end of the day. I have nothing against Jimbo. I just personally, I see the gap and I want to be, I'm willing to pay more for it. Okay, so... I tell him, listen, I'm trying to save face. Like I'm, I'm trying to have Jimbo's back, <laughs> right? Listen, what if Jimbo gets more knowledge, applies it and does whatever he can to show you what that value looks like. And you know what he says? The client goes, so you're telling me Jimbo's going to be willing to get a master's degree? <laughs> and so he's talking about that literally, but figuratively, like, listen, like the, the knowledge gap, there's a difference. And once again, I'm willing to pay for it. So I go back and I have to tell him the news, right? 
Yeah. At the end of the day, I tried to even go to the client and say, let him prove it to you for two weeks. I am going to bat for Jimbo. Yeah. And he says, no, I just want to pay for it, you know? So yeah. as a leader, I have to respect the client's decision. Yep. The client should pay for what they want and they should, they should get the best experience and not feel bad about it. That's where my loyalty stands. So I had to tell Jimbo and that was not an easy conversation to have. So let's say you're in that position. How do you emotionally recognize like the catastrophic disappointment in knowing how Jimbo is going to feel in this situation? Pay attention to your gut. Pay attention to the anxiety you feel like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. How would you deliver that information? That's tough, man. That's that's a that's a tough position to be in because there is no win out of that because someone's getting someone's getting disappointed whether you like it or not. I feel like you know you you can't ignore that he's gonna not gonna feel some type of way that his client's leaving right. No matter how beautifully you package the wording and delivery of that, he's gonna feel some type of way. Um, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't personally how i would go about it is i wouldn't package it in a way where i'm sugarcoating anything i would tell him straight up listen this is what happened client came to me today and said he wants more of an experienced trainer and that was his decision and you know this is a learning lesson and and whatnot and again, I'm not as good of with words as you are, Kenny, but oh, um, but I would I would just directly say, look, like it's nothing to do with you. Just say it straight up, be truthful, and say this is a learning lesson. And obviously the more experience you gain, the more you learn, the more certifications you get, XYZ, you will become that seasoned trainer. But at the end of the day, this client has made their decision. And 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 just put it on the plate. Just raw and direct. And obviously I would say, you know, I've, I've, I'm in, I'm obviously a vouch for you. I was on your side. I asked the client to reconsider. I asked him to give you two weeks. Uh, but at the end of the day, the decision was made from the client and there's really nothing I can do about it and just see how he responds. And obviously depending on the person, they respond in many different ways, right? Obviously someone, uh, one person will get upset. One other person will understand, you know, one other, you know what I mean? One other person will get sad, right? So it really depends on the person and, and how well they can take, um, you know, uh, stuff like this happening. Dang. See, that's a high level of emotional intelligence right there. I respect that, right? Because would anybody choose as a leader in a situation to deliver that information like that? I would argue perhaps not. I, I, yeah. I would hope in my heart that everyone would handle it the way you did because I was put in a very sticky situation. And trust me, a part of me went, how badly do I make him feel bad about this? Not saying I wanted to, but right. I'm just saying like, how badly could it turn to be the case where it's like, you didn't do your job. You should have explained things in detail. Go back to that. Then it happened. Like you could, you could almost make someone question their career choice by doing that. But I'm so glad, man, you said exactly what I was thinking is, hey, listen, I don't want to sugarcoat this. Right. And before I went into that, I said, you know what, Jimbo, have a seat. And I said, I told you today was urgent. I wanted to tell you as soon as I could. I don't know how else I could say this to you, man. But I did whatever I could to preserve the situation and have you keep your client. But as it turns out, he just 
he just wants someone with more experience. And what I, the way I look at this is, this is no fault of your own. I know this sucks. I can't imagine how you're feeling right now hearing this. But just know that you did everything you could. You left on vacation. You ensured that he experienced someone of uh, to, to still work out. You did all the right things. And I want you to recognize that there's Karen's experience of 12 years and then there's yours. So last thing I want you to do is compare, but just recognize that you're doing all the right things. You just, to your point of what you said, Cassius, you just need to keep getting certified, keep getting educated and recognize that you, you're you doing everything you need to do. Yeah. And it was like, this is a situation I'm sure in many other workplaces where you're so excited, you have a client, then they experience, let's just say you're a lawyer, they experience another lawyer and they're like, you know what? This person just like, wow. Yeah. They, they, they know what to say on point. They know how to do things. It's just... It's like going from a three-star restaurant to a five-star restaurant. Yeah. And they saw the difference. And that's no disrespect to you because you're still trying to figure out how to get to four and five. Exactly. But exactly. you can't do that until you're at, until you experience what three's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and whether that trainer decides, to, however that trainer decides to react is also a level of emotional intelligence, right? And understanding that, hey, you know what? There is room to improve. There's room for improvement. A client doesn't leave someone for no reason. It's not easy. And it's not easy, right? You have room for improvement. You can do a better job. I've had many clients of my own that have worked with me and have went to somebody else and stuck with somebody else. Of course, it made me feel some type of way, but why? I have to look and dissect why that happened and what what does this person offer that I don't offer? What does this person have? Is it experience? Is it high level of customer service is the turnaround time for the creative assets that I create. Is it that? What is that? Where can I improve? Where are my gaps? I'm really glad you said that, man, because then it's going to make you question that, right? Because ultimately the next question is, what can I do to avoid this the next time? Exactly. And I'm really glad like you said that, man, because you then, for anyone listening to this, because we have a lot of people that want to become aspiring leaders or they are leaders listening to this. And it's like, listen, you don't, Sugarcoat it. Number one, great. Number two, you say it bluntly. Number three, you don't make your uh, direct report feel belittled. Then the last thing is solution. Hey, so, and this is how I ended it. As I said, listen, at the end of the day, you know what? Bring it back to always bring it back to their goal. Knowledge is power. That's what they wanted. Get a really clear understanding of what they want and every session deliver it. That's right. And just bring it back to them needing to know why they're doing it. And we'll work on this. We'll get better at it. You have yourself a good one, man. And the irony, the worst part, like the cherry on top of all this, is he says, you won't believe who I have right now. <laughs> I said, who? <laughs> and it was the client. So it's like, no imagine way. someone being told that they're about to break up with somebody. And it's like, one last dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Enjoy your workout yeah. with them, buddy. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And keeping that cool, right? Yeah. It's so, crazy. Great stories are timeless. To be a great storyteller, one must bridge the gap between an alluring narrative and the audience, to pull with the heartstrings, and to shape the imagination. At Q Films Media, we're more than just a media production agency. We are a powerhouse of creative individuals, content creators, 
who specialize in telling great stories. Stories that are intimate and kept closest to the heart. Stories that are powerful and inspiring, that spark boldness and action. We are Q Films Media. We're here to tell your story. We are always unseen. Hello, 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 hello. We finally have our guest in the building. You're on the full switch network on the Universal Radio Network. We've got myself, Kenny, we got Cassius, and we got the one and only Anu in the Hizzy house. How we doing, man? I'm doing great, brother. Good to see you, man. Likewise, man. Thanks We're, for having me. Anytime, man. We're so excited to have you. You know, we appreciate everyone's patience because we played a little extra songs. And Bajada Anu got a little lost. You know, we got lost in the sauce. We we, we keep having to uh, remind ourselves that Anu is just still pretty new to Edmonton, right? Yeah, back again after 25 years. And uh, yeah, Edmonton's changed a bit. It's not like Vancouver, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, man, this is the same West Edmonton Mall, but with probably several dozen renovations later. Sometimes it takes a little while to get uh, the idea of where things are. But, you know, I'm stoked, man. I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself, man. Because, like, especially last week when we got to talking there, watching, uh, you know, Canada unfortunately lose that uh, World Cup match. But uh, just sitting there next to you, man, like, I just appreciate it once again, like, the type of person you are and just how dialed in you are and just how much on the go you have had in life. Everything from, you know, the way you carry yourself through the relationships you've gone through, through the respect you have towards recovery, through your experience of massage therapy and now wanting to get back into it. And I know that's only just so many small pieces of you, but, you know, if someone were to ask, like, yo, who's Anu? Like, in your own words, how would you describe who you are now? Yeah, great question. Um, always trying to describe it more and better as we go, but... Um, honestly, I'm, I'm just here to um, enjoy this moment called now and, um, and to really just take advantage of this opportunity in life that we have. Um, for me, it's been a long road uh, and I would never have imagined that I would be here uh, at this age now where I am, but it couldn't have played itself out any better. Um, I've, I've done a lot in my life. I've traveled a lot. I've done tons with health and wellness. I've given everything I can to it. And um, for about 24 years, it worked out great. And then I hit this point where it started to just shift and I realized that I, I was giving from an empty well. And coming back to Edmonton and, and hanging out with my sister and my brother-in-law and the kids really reconnected me to that essence of uh, who I was. And um, who I am is just um, all the warriors that we've been looking for were right here. You know, that's who I am and that's what I, I choose to be and that's what I want to exemplify to people is that, um, you know, it doesn't take um, mastery of anything to move mountains. All it takes is just the ability to want to. And, um, and I just love to express that and share that and teach that with people. That's beautiful, man. I appreciate you sharing that, you know, especially the concept of just feeling rooted now that you have loved ones close to you again. You know, I know on the topic of proximity here, when you have someone that's close to you, that knows you so well, that has known you all your life within um, arm's reach, you know, like when you can like actually go and see your loved ones and be near to them, it's just so easy to say this, but like, I'm so glued to Edmonton for that reason, 
because my mom and dad are here, my grandparents, my brother, I've dreamed about wanting to live in Cali, living on New York, Toronto, right? Like, you know, like really upscale cities. But I'm like, you know what, man? Edmonton's home for that reason. And I love how you said how like you kind of feel like you have this um, fresh new lens of perspective in a way because family's near and dear to you now, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, um, I, I moved to BC with my family um, just after high school, graduating here, born and raised out here. Um, so Edmonton was always and is always going to be home. And when my family moved back, they said, are you coming? And I said, are you kidding? I'll be an Oilers fan for the rest of my life, but you couldn't pay me enough to come back to Edmonton. And here I am now, almost 25 years later, and I am so stoked to be here. And I can't imagine what took me this long to come back. And having that connection with family is quintessential, um, you know, in anybody's relationship and, and wherever you are um, in, in order to have that success. And, uh, and I'm just glad that I have that opportunity to be here now. And I'm looking forward to just killing it out here. 100%, man. Like, it's crazy. Even in the past week, the momentum you've been carrying. And I wanted us to carry this conversation around perhaps maybe pillars. Like, let, let's lay out the table of contents of what our theme today on recovery means to you. Like, let's face it, uh, social support, family is one of them in terms of knowing when and how you should um, fuel the relationship with recovering. But what are some other concepts, Anu, that you think are related to um, having a full, deeper understanding of how someone should recover? What are some of the things that come to mind for you broadly? You know, because we think recovery modalities, oh, physio, chiro, massage, right? Pampering, let's go get my nails done. Like, sure, these are all things related to you spending time to look and feel better. But I mean, before I take out my wallet, what are some table of content ideas you have in terms of someone feeling fully recovered? Yeah, I mean, um, we put our bodies through damage. If you think about it, Um, we are these... Um, you know, infinite beings inside this finite shell. And this shell that we have is made up of, of structure. It's made up of 104 nutrients, 72 minerals, 16 amino acids, 13 vitamins, three essential fatty acids, fiber, and water. That's your chemical constitution. So if you think about it, um, you know, when you take your car across the country, you're going to make sure that the tire pressure and the uh, the fuel and the oil and you know, the, the antifreeze and all of these things are topped up and, and at the right level. If you only replace 10% of that, those things, you're not going to make it outside of Edmonton. And with the human body, unfortunately, in our Western world, um, we have come to become way too comfortable. And we haven't understood what the true potential of this body is. Most of us don't replenish those nutrients on a daily basis. So, Starting from the biological, chemical, physical perspective, the ability for you to replenish those nutrients through whole foods, hydration, um, proper rest, all leads to the next level, which is mental, emotional, and then eventually spiritual. And the idea of recovery is simple, that as you get older, as we all get older, you realize that the workout isn't as important as the recovery. In fact, the recovery becomes more important than the workout. And what your body normally can take 72 hours to recover from, um, through advancements in technology, using hydrotherapy, hot and cold, uh, water especially, um, using uh, electrical modalities, uh, infrared sauna, all of these things that are available to us in today's day and age, you can you can shorten that cycle down to 30 minutes 
or an hour or two. So you can imagine if your body has recovered in an hour from something that you've done, the next 71 hours are not only rebuilding you, but they're re-energizing you and causing you to grow. So that's the specialty that I focus my life on is, is being able to teach people how to recover through simple steps daily and things that don't cost money, things that you can do just simply by shifting your awareness. Um, you know, this is a thought. Today, these thoughts can create an action. If that action is taken succinctly, it will create a result. The problem is most of us have unconscious thoughts when it comes to health and recovery. And then we take unconscious actions. We might do it for a week or two or three if we're lucky, and then we fall off the wagon, and then we beat ourselves up. Well, you know what we do there is we do comforting things for our mind and bodies that are in the moment, right? So it's like, ah, uh, you know what? I need a cigarette. It's gonna make me feel good right now, but over time, it's actually not good for me, right? Or it's like these certain habits that perhaps are deemed bad that in the moment make you feel so good, but then after a certain length of period of time, it's it, it's taking you away from being uh, more of a human and then more of someone who needs to function the way you normally should be functioning, right? So it's, it's really unique how you uh, put that into perspective and how we can just better better understand what we need to do for our bodies. Because you're right, we learn about, I have to move my body, but then, okay, how do I rest? And that concept, we talk about it in a personal training protocol is a deload week. And I'm sure you know this very well. I know our listeners, they might be like, deload week, what's that? There's actually a reason why when you train for four to five to six weeks and you're thinking, oh, week over week, progressive overload, I'm gonna continuously you know, increase my weight, that's good. I'm gonna rest effectively, everything's on. And all of a sudden you just plateau. You just take this hit, happens right around that mark. That's where, to Anna's point, you should be listening to your body. You're doing some of the recovery strategies he's mentioned, or, and you're also like, okay, I'm gonna go to the gym, but now I'm gonna focus on mobility. Now I'm gonna actually, like, I don't need to hit as high as I've been hitting. I need to move my body, but I'm gonna go low weight, low maintenance. But it's sad, because people hit that point, and then they're like, okay, it's over. And then they take too long of a rest, and they never go back, and now they're back to square one. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of equated, I've, I've traveled this planet and um, I've come to the realization that most of us, we are all or nothing kind of creatures. We really just put our, our effort in when we want to and then we stop and, and we have this flux of back and forth. And what I've come to recognize, the best thing that people can do is small shifts in actions daily, little things that will help you to progress to become better and recover quicker. And over time, those little things add up. So instead of, um, you know, working out hard for six weeks and then pushing even harder when you should be recovering because we just don't know what to do, um, being able to just back off a little bit and recognizing that it's kind of it's kind of like high tide and low tide. One's not better than the other. But in low tide, the last thing you want to do is try to sail your ship. In high tide, the last thing you want to do is try to clean the barnacles off the bottom of your, of your boat. So ultimately, recognizing your own pattern for what it is in your lifestyle is the most important thing. And when you feel down mentally, emotionally, chemically, physically, biologically, the first thing that we usually do is reach for that vice is reach for that let me have this instant feel good whether it's a drink or whether it's a cigarette or or whether it's tv or exercise or rest but the ability to understand when you need those things 
is important in understanding how to grow from that. And that's what most of us are missing. And it's a simple thing. It's You don't need to be a doctor to understand it. You don't need to have all this um, knowledge of anatomy and physiology and neurology and know the human body inside out. You just, you just need to be able to feel what's happening within you and connect to it. And when it feels low, take a minute. When it feels good to move, move. And whether that's at midnight or 3 a.m. or 6 p.m., whatever time it is on whatever day it is, the ability to let yourself be unstructured through your structure is the most important thing to growth and recovery. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love what you touched on, Anu, about, you know, the small things that you can add to your daily routine. And, and you know, one of the things that, you know, just I've done um, over the last few months is, you know, editing, like just walking every day because I am in the corporate environment. So sometimes I'm on the computer all day. And that's all I, that I'm not moving my body. And, you know, I've made a goal to, to hit 10,000 steps per day, right? And so 10,000 steps, it's maybe about an hour of walking, right? And so although it might not seem much and it's not physically taxing to my body, I'm getting out there and I'm moving at least at the, at the most minimum thing. And over time, it's become a habit. Now I don't even like, I don't even think about it. I'm like, oh, it's this time where I gotta, I gotta start walking, right? Um, another thing too is, 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 um, one of the simplest things to do is stretching. And I didn't realize how stretching was so important, um, until now going into my thirties now, right. You know, when you're in early twenties, you're just like, ah, oh, I can play any sport. I can do whatever I can go party. I can go back and I'll recover the next day where now it's like, I've realized the importance and, and obviously looking at, you know, other athletes and individuals in my circle who, who stretch on a daily basis, who do yoga and things like that. It's like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't need that before. But now I realize stretching is not just about mobility. It's, it's way more than that. And, and when you understand that and you see the importance of like, hey, you know, five or 10 minutes of stretching throughout an entire year can completely change your life and how you feel. You know, sometimes when I would, I would sleep and I would get up, I'm tight. I can't even walk getting out of, getting out of bed and not thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe some stretching could, could help me just do regular things. Um, uh, and, 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 and just doing simple things, like you said, can go a long way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you talked about that, man, because uh, it, it, we, we all are guilty of this, right? Where... We get older and it sneaks up on us, right? Like you start realizing that your range of motion now is compromised. You start realizing that uh, you actually need to learn how to warm up effectively for your workout. You can't just jump right in. And this speaks volumes to me because it just reminds me of how we need to treat our bodies, how much we need to respect our bodies. And in reality, we're, we're in, in North America, we're still in the, the, the crisis of so many people who um, feel like they have no idea either what to do or how to start physically being more active because of what jobs are now doing, forcing people to sit for eight hours on end, right? I think personally, it should be more encouraged in work environments. Like it should be said, almost like a mandate. Like, listen, Every hour on the hour, get up. Like, just like how in school, every 50 minutes or an hour and 20, you're shifting classes. You're at least walking from point A to point B. Not that that's school's intentions, but there's something to say about there should be blocks in your day. 
not okay work sit in my office put myself in lumbar flexion and now let's just type and oh my break okay four hours of sitting oh why is it so hard to get up right and then sit back down and it's like you're doing this every single day but it's like just like that person that has a 1962 Camaro and whips it out on the street on a hot summer day in Edmonton. You're looking at that and you're like, dang, that's a nice whip. Oh, man. Wow. What a limited edition vehicle. But it's like, don't you want people to say that about your body as you age? As opposed to being like everyone else where it's like, it's normal. It's old age. Ah. It's like, yeah, no. We're also very uh, reactive <laughs> instead of preventative, right? Yeah. You don't. You don't. You don't go out of your way to stretch unless you feel tightness in your legs. You don't, you know, you don't go out and 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 do certain things unless it's like, oh, you know, I, I'm feeling it now. Oh, maybe I should go to physio. You don't go to physio. People don't go to physio for for the prevention. They go after the fact when there's pain, when there's l- little mobility. So I think I think even from Anu's point is like. You're not going to go across Canada with a car that doesn't have all the fluids up today and maintenance is, you know, low. You need to get ahead of that curve and 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 really be preventative instead of reactive. One of the things that I noticed in uh in my um experience in life and and all over the planet, most of us have this engine of a Lamborghini, but it's hiding in the body of a Pinto. And we don't know how to do it. We're going from the outside in. Let's work out more. You know, let's drink more water. Let's eat more healthy food. But if we go from the inside out, if you think about it, you know, you started as one single cell. That cell duplicated with a lot of love and it created tissues. Those tissues conglomerated in the millions to create organs. Those organs created systems and those systems create you. So if we can go back to the cell, the ability for your cell to cleanse itself to replenish itself is unlimited but in our world unfortunately we are overloaded with toxins so what i've realized and what i've learned um is the best approach is you can't become a buddhist monk if you can good for you because most of us aspire to that level but instead of that the ability to say okay you know what I enjoy the toxin that I'm putting in. I enjoy that pasta that I'm having today with that Caesar salad that isn't even really a salad, but it's just a lot of dressing with some leaves and some croutons. Um, The ability to balance that is the key in each daily action. If you have a drink of coffee, it will leach over 250 milligrams of calcium from your bones in the first hour after drinking that cup of coffee. There's over 400 chemical contaminants in that cup of coffee. So instead of me saying, hey, don't drink that coffee, how about this? Why don't you have a glass of water with a little wedge of lemon squeezed into it within the first hour after drinking that cup of coffee? It will negate the side effect of that coffee in your body internally. So the ability to do that is just a simple thought. It's a simple action. It's like waking up and brushing your teeth. You don't even think about it. That habitual pattern that you talked about, a pattern is something that you repeat 21 times or 21 days. A habit forms after 90 times or 90 days. So the ability to carry something through consistently 21 times creates that little tiny wire. But over 90 times, it creates a thick cable. And once you're wired into those little things, you don't even think about showering or brushing your teeth. It's just automatic, just like breathing. That's what health and wellness should be. It should be proactive. It should be honestly available to everybody with very little cost. 
unfortunately, we look for bigger, better, more. And, you know, my buddy's taking those supplements, so I should take those supplements. And we over-supplement ourselves in a world that is fully over-providing food but under-nutrition. Most of the things that we can get, we can get daily in our lifestyle. If you watch an animal, going back to the stretching, when an animal wakes up in the morning, a cat or a dog, what do they do? They stretch. The first thing they do is stretch. When they know what they need to drink water, they don't go and drink the whole bowl of three liters in one shot because that's what they're told to do is drink three liters of water. They sip it every hour on the day. In fact, if you think about it, your human body utilizes seven to nine liters of water per day for its own metabolic process to run the engine. Seven to nine liters a day is being utilized inside of you. If you're replacing it with a cup a day, where is the rest of that water coming from? Bones, joints, ligaments, hair, tendons, muscles, skin. And eventually, over decades, you wonder why you look pale and wrinkled and why your joints hurt. Is because all that water is being pulled from this miraculous car to feed the engine. All you need to do is drink three liters a day. Well, Anu, how do you do that? If you break it down into your waking hour, it's a sip of water, about 200 milliliters of water every hour of your day and you'll right. hit three liters without even thinking about and it. And here, here's how to do it, right? Uh, this is Atomic Habits by James Clear coming out in its full fruition Beautiful. is habit stacking, right? This helped me drink more water, brother. Mm -hmm. Like I felt that was something going into the fitness industry that if I'm going to tell people to stay more hydrated, I have to do it myself. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like that's next lead week. by, <laughs> yeah. that's the next time, right? But it's like, man, like, for me, what's one thing that I know I do religiously every hour on the hour? I'm going to check my phone, right? This thing's attached to my hand sometimes, right? But it's like, okay, every time I am going to grab my phone, I am going to take a sip of water before I have it scan my face, right? But I'm putting two things together. One thing I enjoy and I constantly do attached to a new habit I'm trying to bring in. And this was said by one of my coaches when I, when I first stepped into the industry is he said, Think about all the things that you do. Brush your teeth, check your phone, do the dishes, make your bed, put a water bottle right near those areas. And now before you start that habit, take a sip of water. Mm -hmm. But it's like, to your point is like, how can we make these things more accessible? And how can we get people to be more immersed into what is healthy, right? And that's something where I want our audience to think about right now. And our listeners think like, what are you doing to make your good habits more visible and your bad habits more invisible? You know, we're all addicted to deadlines, right? Like whether we admit it or not, we get a deadline at work. We're like, okay, here we go. I got to get it by this day, right? Or you do 70, what is it? 70 strong or something like a 30 day cleanse, right? Like there's just so many of these, like by the time this day's done, then what? Um, you could say facades. And I'm just wondering like, what works? Does that work? What should work? From your perspective, Anu, as a health profession professional and us talking about recovery, how do you find that balance? I think the most important thing, first off, is you, you want to... Um you want to have that thirst initially to make yourself better. The minute you feel like you can make a shift in your life, then um, it opens the door to what actions you're going to take, what thoughts are going to 
precipitate what actions to create what kind of results. And, um, you know, deadlines were, I, I was the king of procrastination for most of my, um, uh, adult life actually so far. And even in school, I would procrastinate and procrastinate. But then when you knew that deadline was going to be there, you found a way to get it done. The funny thing is, is that we all set those deadlines for ourselves, but most of us don't achieve them because the deadline comes and goes and we realize that we set it the bar too high. So what I suggest to people is set the bar low, set it right down at the bottom so that you could step over it. If you make your bed in the morning and that's the only action you took, make that successful, make that happy for yourself, make that successful for you in who you are and build on that the next day. So as an example, I love the Oilers, of course. I watch hockey like crazy. Um, I'm a fiend for it. What I decided was in every commercial break that happens, and there's on average about 12 of them that last about 30 seconds in total, I'm going to do push-ups for those 30 seconds every time there's a commercial break. By the time the Oilers game is done, I've, I've hit what I needed to for my quota for push-ups instead of doing it all at once. Or I'll do push-ups and then I'll drink a glass of water on the next commercial. How many push-ups do you end up doing in a commercial break? 500,000. One arm with my legs on a balance board. Show me the push-ups. And a BOSU ball. (laughs) Both eyes closed. (laughs) There's something to say about that, though, because, I mean, like, let's just say you do 30, right? 30 seconds, second per push-up. Now, how many commercial breaks are there? On average, 10. Yeah, so it's like, let me do my quick maths. It's like uh, 300. 300. And then minus, 300 more minus 50 because most of us cheat. So let's say even 200. Yeah. If you've done 200 push-ups in a two and a half hour span, while you would normally just be sitting there watching hockey, all we've done is introduced a thought. It's up to you to take that action though. If the action is motivating enough and you can see a result from it, you will carry on. And that holds true for just like what you said putting that water bottle on a toilet on your your desk in your vehicle every time you see it it's going to remind you every time you pick up your phone if you're triggered to understand when i look at my phone i need to take a sip of water man you're going to hit those three liters and you're going to replenish your system every single day without even thinking about it well what i love about that man is it brings you back to let's just say two different types of people on a road trip right You're going to get the one person that is going to keep thinking and saying every couple of minutes, hey, Anu, are we there yet? Cassius, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? And the other person is just like, you know what? I'll get there when I get there. I don't care how long it takes. I'm in no rush. I'm just enjoy the view. I'm going to enjoy the sunshine. I'm going to enjoy the mountains when they come up all the way to Vancouver, 12 hours away. Now, how much more pent up and anxiety induces that person who just keeps thinking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, and, and how much more different is that person who just keeps thinking about the result? It's like, man, like, yeah, you'll lose weight. You'll feel better. It's going to happen. But just be patient and look and see what you're doing right now. Because guess what? Once you get there, it'll feel great. It will feel awesome for like a day. And then you're going to go the next day and go, what's next? In my honest opinion, right? This is like the first time I ever paid off my student loan. <laughs> paid off the last little bit of my student loan. And here I am, say, saying so proudly, right? I paid for my last year's schooling, right? <laughs> and so my last year's schooling I paid for, once I paid it off, a few years later, <laughs> I ended up feeling good for a day. And then there was so much buildup to it. And the next day I was like, okay, now what? Like, I'm still alive. I still live the same life. What's next? But my whole point is, look and see, like, 
what you've done up to that point, all the things you had to do, all the budgeting, all the, you know, sites that you're taking in, as opposed to when you finally have an end and you were just thinking about how it's going to turn out by the end, you forgot entirely what that whole experience was like. And that's why like memory recall is so important. And when you're thinking about really good memories and you want to take it in, that reflection piece, I'm noticing this. I got to do a better job of it. I'm acting like I do this so well because I struggle with my remembering things, right? But it's because, to be honest, I fill my plate with so much. But it's like, how about taking time in your day to just be like, hmm, what did go really well today, right? What did make me feel anxious? You know, what, what, what was it that I did today where I felt like I contributed, what could I have done more of? And then you're starting to reflect. And this is why I feel like the power of journaling on the concept of recovering is so important because you're forcing yourself to think about all the things that have happened in real time as opposed to going, oh, I got to hit my quota. I got to hit my budget. Ah, and then, and then like, that's all you're thinking about. And then the month ends, you don't hit it. And then you're like, I was so busy thinking about what I needed to hit that I didn't think about what I needed to do to hit it. It's like those couples that uh, that plan their wedding and then they're still like coordinating while their wedding's happening, you know? And then afterwards they're like, I don't even remember my wedding. I don't remember. I, I didn't even enjoy it, you know, because you're so anxious about it. And you're just like, oh, I want everything to go perfectly. I want all these things to happen perfectly. And then you completely forget like to enjoy that, you know, moment or that chapter of your life. It's so true. It's, um, you know, I, I love listening to this. And it took me 47 years to get to this moment called now. But yet I've been in it the whole time. And I'm so happy to be here with you guys. And I'm so glad that this has led to this. It's beautiful. The trick is how do you stay in it? And like you said with that, you know, the example of the vehicle. If you want to go from Vancouver to New York, yeah, you know it's like 4,000 miles and you know it's going to take you X amount of time. But all you really need to know is the next 30 feet in front of you. When your headlights are on, that's all you got to focus on is the next 30 feet and the next 30 feet after that. You don't need to know what's going to happen the whole way. Yeah, you have your end goal. Yeah, you want to lose weight. Yeah, you want to feel better. You want to sleep better. You know, you want to, you want to get in better shape. The road to someday that leads to a town of nowhere is where most people are stuck. But nowhere is actually just now here. That's it. If we can just be now here and do simple little things in our daily life that we're busy not doing that we know we should do. All of us know what we need to do. Most of us are too busy doing everything that we're not to figure out what we are. And for me, it has come down to a simple point. I've done that for a long time. I have done so much of what I wasn't. But now I've realized that what I am is here now. And what I know is just a microcosm. The more I know, the more I realize I have no idea. But when simple things work and you add those simple things up to create your day and your lifestyle, this becomes a beautiful place. And it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. It's what's going on within. And that's where I want to lead people to is it starts inside. It starts with your breath. It starts with being okay that you're depressed or angry or frustrated or sad or happy or elated. Those feelings come and go, but there's something observing those feelings. That's what you need to get in touch with. And the minute you do, 
the answers just like this broadcast start to show up. Maybe there's somebody out there going, you know what? I didn't realize that my body uses seven to nine liters a day. If I told you that your car needs 50 liters of gas a day to operate, but all you got to do is go to the gas station and put in three liters and it will run for 50. You would do it every single morning, no matter what, because you know that you're saving 47 liters of fuel every single day in cost because that's worth it to you. What about your body? You're running it for 70, 80, 90, or if you're lucky, a hundred years. All you got to do is replenish three liters a day and it will stay exactly the same. I, I love our car examples because yeah. I, I, they're brilliant. <laughs> so, they so many car I examples. I fixing my broken truck and right? I'll tell you, I'm not, I have no mechanical superpowers. I've realized it, but yeah, car examples are the best. They, are, they work and they, they're so relative and people can understand it. And it's funny that we're talking about this. I'll give one more car example. <laughs> For all the guys listening anyways. You get somebody who is in front of you and their prospective client, and this happens in the personal training industry a lot, is I'm, I'm telling someone that in order for them to get to their goal and have uh, a healthy relationship with moving their body and working out and knowing what they need to do, um, it's going to cost you $350 biweekly. The first thing, you know what they say? Everyone goes, Oh my goodness, that's as much as a car payment, right? Like they just say, "Holy, oh, like that—that that much? That's how much I could pay for a car?" And it's like, "Wow!" Like I need to say this more because I think it. But I go, and I think, so yeah, it's as much as a car payment, and you're willing to pay that much for a car, but you're not willing to pay this much for your health. You know? Until, until there's a problem. Exactly. Then, then you're willing to throw everything at it. Back to Cassius's point about let's be preventative. Right? Let's let's do everything we need to do before even needing to go there in the first place. And like this is what's so funny about human beings is like we have generation after generation after generation, we're just gonna choose to make the same mistake. Like, do we not learn anything from like now being in a time in the world where we can actually prevent this stuff from happening? Like how immune are we to this information? And and that's why as someone who's in the health field, it upsets me. Because it's like people know this now and they, we have all the tools and resources in the world and you're just going to sit there. And that's why for me, one of my biggest mantras is like maximize your potential because beware as the years went by, did you put a ceiling on yourself? Did you all of a sudden just cap it based off what's been said to you, what's been done, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the I want to say post-traumatic stress disorder, but like. Not that it's that severe for some people, but yes, the like the trauma that you've experienced in your life that has caused you to now think in a way where you're belittling yourself. You're going to let that choose how you want to walk this earth? Like who says you can't just take the script, rip it out of the notebook, crumple it up, throw it in the dang garbage and start fresh again? And, and, and you keep failing. Keep on failing. I was talking about this with uh, an interview I did today. It was awesome. He was telling me about how he was, he was so inspired by the book Can't Hurt Me. And I loved it. He was talking about how Goggins motivated him to lose over 80 pounds. And I said, yo, I was like, listen, I respect you for saying this. And what I like about someone like Goggins is as hard as he comes off, he said, listen, he's like, I'm so passionate about this because he's like, I was 400 plus pounds and I was even in worse situations and I had every excuse in the book not to pick up for myself, but I went, you know what? Who cares? 
I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. And he kept failing. The biggest thing that I enjoyed about his book and story is he kept failing, but he kept pushing forward. And I, I and I want people to understand the day and age we live in is the moment we fail, some of us, we, 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 we turn the corner and we walk away and we never want to dance again. But I, I personally find I'm so passionate about this is like, keep failing forward. Because based off those failures, that that's where it all is. That's where the magic happens. You know, it's uh, it's funny that you say that. I um, we all have the, this incredible story of our lives, right? And I could tell you my story. It's a great story, and and it's got a lot of ups and downs, and and ooh and ah and wow. But honestly, it's not the story. Most of us get stuck in that story. It's what do you do with that story? Does that story teach you that your cup is still half full? If I say to you, I hope it's sunny tomorrow, and you say to me, I hope it doesn't rain, we're actually saying the same thing, but we're coming from two different perspectives. What is your story teaching you? And for those listeners out there, you know, we're all in the story. And I had my story today. Yesterday was a great day. Today I'm tired and it's Friday and I just want to go and relax. And, you know, every day is a different day. But what do you do with that? How do you keep it consistent so that when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, you know that there is a purpose within that you're feeding? And that's what these actions and thoughts are really about. How do I make myself feel better? And as we get older, it it does become more difficult. Because if you think about it, if you have been dehydrated for 30 years of your life, then what's the result going to be? Well, there's going to be compensation. So the ability to utilize simple things like a hot shower and then turning it to cold for the last 30 seconds. It doesn't have to be freezing cold, but just cooler than it was and start playing with that creates cellular respiration it creates your cardiovascular system to actually start to move and when that happens inside you've got over 125,000 kilometers of vasculature that runs through your circulatory system arteries veins your capillaries your heart pumping 125,000 kilometers that's three times the diameter of the earth all in one human body and there's over 7 billion of us here how do you train that It's not by pumping weights. It's not by running. It's not by um, hydrating. It's by utilizing recovery modalities. And those recovery modalities can be spread into mental, emotional, chemical, physical, biological, and spiritual levels. It's just up to you on what road you want to follow. There's many roads and there's many ways to do things. And there's never, if anyone ever tells you this is the one way you need to do it, you run. Because there's not just one way. It's the way for you. So... I hope these, you know, people and the listeners and and um and more of us as we start to grow into this kind of mindset understand that in each moment you can make a decision. And in that decision is the power. And in that power creates an action. And that action cumulatively creates the result. So what kind of result do you want? If you want a great result in your life, start with the simple thoughts, each breath. Stay in the car and don't worry about when are we going to get there. The destination is the journey. The journey is the destination. Stay in it. Be in it. I just want to add one thing onto everything that you both said. Um, everything that you both said is complete. I completely agree. One thing too is, um, let's just say, Kenny, I told you, like Anu's example, if I said all you have to do is play basketball every single day, 
in order to be successful. I don't know. It's just a weird analogy, right? You don't like basketball in the way I like basketball, just the same way I don't like jujitsu in the way you like jujitsu. You will one day. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You've, you've been trying, right? Like <laughs> you've been trying, right? But it's the things, what, what I'm gathering is there's things that we don't want to do because of our habits, right? We've been dehydrated for 30 years. Who wants to drink more water? I've just been this way, right? Until something drastic or tragic happens. The gentleman that you interviewed today, you know, David Goggins, the book, there was a spark there. There was a trigger that that made him, okay, now I want to move. Now I want to go to the gym or whatever the case. So it's the stuff that we, we like, you, like Anu said, we know these things. We know we have all that knowledge, but we don't want to do it. I don't, you don't want to play basketball every day. Just the same way I don't want to play, ju, uh, 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 do jujitsu every single day. But what if I, but I know I need to. But I don't want to. So how do we get into that? Just like David Goggins, he didn't want to do Hell Week for what was it, five, five or three or four times he he did he did Hell Week. He didn't want to give up his 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 pop and his ice cream. He didn't want to run all those miles. There's those things that he didn't want to do. He didn't want to do those chin ups, but he still managed to do it anyways. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually uh, I'm gonna play ping pong with you with this and let's see if it works, right? So this how I, if someone asked me like oh. I, I need to do it, but I don't want to do it, right? Okay, so let's just say uh, you're this person, right? I'm the so, I don't I'm the I'm negative Nancy. Yeah, yeah, totally just role play, bro. <laughs> I love role okay, playing, let's bro. Do let's it. go. <laughs> I used to not like role playing, but we do it so much at work that two and a half years later, it's just exciting. <laughs> it's like acting, oh, right? Okay, okay. So here, let's 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 figure this out. Okay. So Omid, you're telling me right now, just based off what you're saying, that you 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 really like you get it. You need to be healthier, but you don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, how long have you been in the workforce for? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. Okay, wow. So let's just go back to when you came into the workplace. Sure, yeah, yeah. And let's go back to that cash is 10 years ago. And when you got your check, right, what did you do with that money? Uh, it went automatically in my bank account. And then I went for a nice dinner. Nice. Okay, good. So you ate, went to your bank account. So why did you decide to get a job? Why, why would you just not... Why bother getting one? Oh, I need the money, man. Why do you need the money? Uh, I'd want to spend it on the things I like. Oh, on the things you like. Yeah. Okay. And what else? What else is it used for? Uh, vacation, uh, travel, um, paying for my bills. Well, paying for your bills. So yeah. What happens if you don't pay for your bills? Oh, man, then I'll be homeless. You'll be homeless, right? So what happens when, when you're homeless? Is that one inch closer to you being able to survive or one inch further away from it? Oh, yeah, definitely further away. So would you say work? Helps you survive. Uh, yeah, it does. So how much more different is that than from you needing to make sure you do all the essential things every day for you to continue to survive so you can work and be able to do things that you love? Yeah. Wow. You right? put me in a weird spot here. So what's one thing that you can do then? I know. I get it. There's a lot. Drink water, eat healthier, do workouts, this, that, A, B, G, Z, Z, <laughs> B, F, Z, right? Like there's so much, right? But what is one thing that you feel like personally you're motivated to be able to do out of all those things? Uh, maybe a daily walk might be the easiest. I like that. And do you feel like you have the ability to be able to walk every day? I think so. Yes. For how long? Uh, what do you mean for how long? For how long will your walk be? Uh, 20 minutes 20 minutes every day yeah. okay so if you don't do the 20 minute walk what happens 
uh, I fail. You fail. And you don't want to be a failure, I don't want right? to be a failure, no. Perfect. So every day, 20-minute walk, I want you to call or text me as soon as you're done it so that way you get a little bit of accountability. And then let's shift this feeling of wanting to do it to needing to do it. And let's check in after one week and let's see the difference. All right. I'm going to add a caveat. If for some reason you don't do it, celebrate the fact that you didn't and that you were aware of the fact that you didn't, which will create more thirst and hunger for you to do it the next time. Be okay with it. Don't, don't feel negative. Don't feel like you're a failure. Just be okay with the fact that you didn't do it. And that's, that's what health is. Health is not going to the gym every day from 11 till 1 and then going and having some broccoli and chicken Good breast man, and rice. Man, man. Right? Just like popping the biceps, right? Everyone wants to be that guy. It's Health is the ability to just feel where you are, whether it's high tide or low tide, and and be in that space for what you need. Ultimate health comes from that because it's not just a destination. Health is a journey that has ups and downs. Some days you feel better, some days you feel worse. But the key is allow yourself to feel bad and accept it. And then when you feel good, feel good and celebrate it. Mm. I love that. Anu just dropping bars. Anu, I just want perhaps for you to share um, maybe a little bit of insight on massage therapy and this is now your scope of practice you're going back to. And, you know, we're not we're not a radio station talking about leadership if we don't bring this up. But for you, who was the right mentor and who were the people in your life that you think that you think of that helped you become uh, the cream of the crop of your industry? I know you work closely with Vancouver Canucks, which was super cool. That was a big part of what inspired you to get into this field, whether it's that or anything else. Share with us what you believe are the qualities of what a natural born leader should have in them and uh, who that was for you in your life. Yeah, great question. Um, For me, I got into this industry uh, over 24 years ago as a result of injury um, and playing soccer, wrecking my knee. And um, through that process, I was able to meet some incredible practitioners Uh, medical doctors, surgeons, uh, physiotherapists, chiropractors, and massage therapists. One of the massage therapists that I met um, who actually treated me a few times uh, was working for the Vancouver Canucks at the time. His name was John Ford. Uh, He became my mentor, and I I worked closely with him and understood his um, passion and his philosophy and what he chose to give back. And those are the three qualities that I really... Uh, emphasize in leadership for myself these days is, am I passionate about what I'm talking about? Uh, Do I know what I'm talking about? And can I emote that? Can I educate people in an entertaining way so that when people walk out of the treatment with me, they don't feel overwhelmed or they don't feel like they've been told what to do, but they feel like that Uh, that there's been a connection and that they can feel something different and they're willing to try something different. That's the most important part. You know, if I throw a bunch of um, medical terms at you and, and I can show off all my seven years of university, what does it matter if you don't take those thoughts to create a better action in your life? But if you can walk out and go, you know what? Now I understand why I need to drink that glass of water and I'm gonna do it because I understand it. That is success. Right there. And so for me, um, John Ford, 
uh, was a big one. Chad Benson with uh, Peter Twist and Twist Conditioning was massive and working with the Canucks. I worked with them for almost four years and I went from grassroots level and, and kids that are three years old all the way up to, you know, these Lamborghinis that uh, were reliant upon my skill to be able to get them back to their sport faster and quicker than anybody could. And, and I really drew an incredible experience from that. And that's where I developed the hydrotherapy recovery modalities and utilizing hot and cold in very simple ways to be able to speed up your body's process to heal and the ability for your metabolism and circulation to increase quickly and then feed yourself the right nutrition. So I developed a program over many years that very simple to follow um, that I'd love to share with you guys at some point another day. In the meantime, being passionate, educating people in an entertaining way that allows them to take actions in their daily life is the most important thing to being successful in my mind. Um, and moving forward here, Raj Dillon of Pivotal Physiotherapy has been a huge um, mentor for me as well. And he's the kickstart for me coming back to Edmonton. Um, and actually becoming passionate about this again, because to be honest, my, my well went empty about five years ago and, um, and I stopped practicing massage therapy and sports rehabilitation because I felt like it was coming from the wrong place after that much time. But now I'm back at a point with, um, these incredible people around me, uh, Prem Rowett, uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Kenny Buller, <laughs> Raj Dillon, um, John Ford, Chad Benson. Uh, Peter Twist, all of these people have led, have, led, have led me to this experience in this moment now. And I'm thankful for that. And they're great people. And I've learned a lot from it. Um, now it's time for me to shine my own star and get going here. So um, look out, Edmonton. Here we come. Wow. So well said, man. I mean, what, what, a, what a good example of being able to respect the time you take away from something that is no longer giving you the same amount of love you gave it when you started. Not many people are willing to do that. And I have so much respect for someone like you, Anu, and a few people I know in my life that go back into what they felt at a time doesn't work for them. When people are willing to go back, some people look at that as a step back. But in reality, that's you, to your point, being now mentally ready and prepared to take it on again with just a new lens, a newer, fresher perspective. And let that be a huge token of advice to those that are listening to listen to your body's reaction, your mind's reaction to certain things that are coming your way. And it's okay to take a break, but then it's also okay to recognize that, okay, I'm going to take a break. And once I do, do I feel like I don't have a big enough ego to come back and also not burn a bridge? I think that's super important. And that's a whole other topic of discussion for another day. But I know we appreciate you so much for being here. And, you know, just the more I get to talk to you, you know, I know you through Raj, but I also feel like we're cultivating our own friendship. And uh, you're, you're just a, as people can hopefully feel it listening, you're just such a big, big light in the room. 
You know, anywhere you go, you give 120% of your energy towards the people that are in your life. And uh, it's something I noticed right from the moment I met you, man. So, well, I appreciate you guys. And thank you for allowing me to express on this platform. And I hopefully look forward to coming back and uh, having a lot more fun conversations with you both. 100%, brother. Where, Where can people continue to support you and follow your journey? Is there any place or any, any, uh, contact we can get especially living in this social media-esque world um at this point you could probably send pigeons with um little notes that would probably be or smoke signals i get those better than i get emails um i'm just developing my platform here in edmonton so i'll keep you posted and stay tuned for it um and we'll you know have soon have that social media aspect going um but ultimately just look for the name anu and you'll find it love it there it is we hope everyone enjoyed today's episode and you know you're that much more aware of how to recover not only physically but mentally and spiritually as well enjoy the weekend everybody and we will see you next week on the full switch series with kenny and cassius we are out enjoy the weekend guys. christmas the time look again there.